What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporating. We know. We know. It's a Saturday. Typically, you're used to hearing either a link up with Letitia or uh, Amy C. Weininger and her See It to Be It series. However, we have a, a special guest, special treat, special situation happening this time. That's right. Uh, where we actually have an elected official on the podcast. Um, his name is Royce West. So um, he's a state senator representing District 23 as a Democrat. Um, he's actually uh, been in office since 1993. So think about 1993. I was born in 1989. Right. So he's been around for a while and he's been doing his thing for a while. Um, this is not even an official endorsement of any particular candidate, but rather as a platform that seeks to amplify underrepresented voices. That also means underrepresented voices in our political system. And State Senator Royce West is actually a black man in our Texas state politics. So a fairly unique perspective and experience. In addition to that, y'all, 2020 November is coming up. And it's important that we actually are aware of the issues and some of the things that are on the ballot this year, because the things that are passed in Congress directly impact us. And I'm saying us, I'm talking to you, black and brown person. I'm talking to you, marginalized person. I'm talking to you, non-white, straight, Christian, able-bodied male. Um, it's really important, I believe, that we participate and engage this uh, political process. I understand there are various points of opinions in terms of what does it look like to radically change or impact or create an impact. Um, I do believe that participating in our political process and exercising our civic duties um, is something we should do. Right. And so what you're going to hear when we have this conversation, I try to ask uh, Senator West some fairly direct questions. And um, my hope is that this will be uh, the first of many elected officials we're able to get on the platform to have real talk um, in a corporate world and real talk in a world that impacts us everywhere, including at work. Right. So uh, the next thing you're going to hear is a conversation I have with uh, Senator West. And after that, we're going to wrap it up. Catch on next time. Senator West, it's a it's a pleasure and an honor to have you on uh, Living Corporate Podcast. Just to get started, many people are saying that Texas is truly the premier battleground state, right? So goes Texas, so goes the nation regarding uh, tilting red or blue. Um, there's been an accelerated temp, attempt to speed that up, right? So we've seen that with Wendy and Beto's campaign being most notable in that regard. Right, right. With, with that, let me ask you, though, do you think Texas is ready uh, to shift blue and if so, what makes you the right choice for that? I do think it's ready, and it's dependent upon who the presidential nominee is. When you begin to kind of look at uh, attitudes of people here in Texas, be they Democrat, Republicans, Independents, uh, they're more aligned, frankly, with a moderate to conservative, moderate to left-leaning uh, Democrat. Uh, when you begin to look at gun issues, health care issues, those types of issues, which are important, women's issues, um, civil rights issues, all groups, those things are important to people. Uh, and so from that vantage point, I think that uh, ideolog ideologically people are ready. And, and then when you begin to look at the changing demographics in Texas uh, and the uptick in voting amongst uh, Latinos, uh, Latinx now, that uh, we have the numbers in order to win statewide elections now. So, you know, what has been the greatest advantage and maybe one of the bigger challenges in being a black man in Texas state politics? Well, you know, it's, it's both ways. I mean, the fact is that uh, racism is still alive and well, not to the extent that it has been in the past. I think that um, in terms of me as an individual, 
Uh, I am still susceptible to those racist hits, but uh, I'm betting that most people will look at my track record in terms of things that I've done, and based on my experience, they'll know exactly what I'm going to be doing in the future concerning representing them on issues that are important to them, like health care, women's rights, uh, uh, education, criminal justice. One of the reasons that podcasts are blowing up as a communication medium is because folks are aware that the guests typically who come on these types of platforms, they're unfiltered, right? Like we're able to see who these guests are beyond the veneer of the typical talking points. And so, you know, Senator West, you're speaking to young black and brown uh, folks, uh, working professionals, millennials within Texas and beyond. So like with that in mind, why should they believe you? Well, I think, again, look at my track record. And let's just talk about issues unique to the audience here. What you will see is over the 26 years that I've been a state senator, I've been very much in tune with issues concerning millennials and the audience that you have, more specifically. I've made certain that the college students, young people that go to college, as an example, that live in my senatorial district, which is the Dallas area, we've provided summer internships, paid internship opportunities for them, not just any old internship. The fact is, is that what we have tried to do somewhat successfully is to match their major in college to the summer internship paid opportunity. And as a result of that, what you'll see is that I've been able to create over 3,000 3,000 internship opportunities for students in my that lived in my district and some and some outside of the district. And so they've been able to develop their resume. And as a result of developing that resume, in many instances, landed a job with the person or the business that they were doing the internship with. And, and not only that, Zach, we have persons that are now elected officials, doctors, lawyers, teachers, police officers, you name it, that have come out of that particular program. And let me just kind of reach back a little further. Uh, we don't know, we just don't start right there in college. We reach back to middle school. We have a student advisory committee uh, comprised of uh, those of some of the audience may identify with this, uh, comprised of uh, student leaders defined as a student, student government. That's why I started off in the seventh grade student government and other student leaders on campus to make certain that I'm keeping my ear to the ground and kind of using them as a sounding board for policies that I need to be dealing with. And I can tell you some of those policies deal with issues concerning criminal justice, concerning economic development, concerning making certain that there's a pipeline so they can develop. And I've addressed those issues and we'll continue to do so. Uh, what are you talking about, Senator West? We've made certain that we have tried to, to and there's a political issue, um, I don't get a lot of appointments by the governor's office because I'm a Democrat. But we've tried to make certain that we uh, identify young persons that um, we can put on boards and commissions because that's how you learn leadership uh, abilities. Okay, You sharpen your skills to become leaders. Um, we have dealt with issues concerning criminal justice. I have been a prosecutor and also a defense attorney. And I've had some top-of-the-notch defense cases as well as prosecutorial cases. And so what I know is this. Regardless of how old you are, you want the ability to be able to call the police officers, but you don't want to have to second guess you calling that officer. Right. Um, okay. And so what I've attempted to do 
is to make certain that there is a third option in terms of evidence because uh, you know if you get into a scrap with a police officer it's going to be a word against theirs and so right. when you look at texas body cameras dash cameras all of those things are responsive to your audience questions and things that they want me to do and so we've dealt with those types of things when you begin to look at the issue concerning student debt i've worked feverishly to reduce the cost of books that makes them there they use open resource materials it still still ain't gotten to the point where i want to because when you begin to look at the books and the cost of books all of us know they cost a lot of money right. and uh, on college and so if you use open resource materials all of that stuff's online and guess what it is more up to date than a book and it That's costs right. less than a book but needless to say the book industry still has its thumb on the scales and until we can get that thumb off the scales we won't see a significant reduction in the cost of books but it's starting to move in that direction in terms of the cost of education um, what I've been able to do is to work in the state of Texas to get the Texas grants program to make certain that students that graduate with at least a C average most of them get an opportunity to get a grant not alone a grant to go to school as long as they're maintaining their academic um, standing they're able to, to continue to get that that grant and that's just it doesn't pay for the whole educational experience it pays for some um, in terms of the issue concerning the cost of education getting in and getting out of school and I heard this from uh, community college students they believe in many parts act that they're taking the courses necessary to make certain that when they go to a university it will apply towards their graduation right, yeah, their basics, yeah. only to only to find out that when they go to the university it doesn't apply and they end up having to take another course over in order to get the uh, prerequisite in order to graduate this past legislative session i was able to pass a bill to make certain that the higher education coordinating board in texas begins looking at that issue and making certain that students get the right counseling and the right course sequence in order to make sure that the courses they're taking the community college will in fact apply towards their uh, ultimate degree once they get into a university I, I guess i can go on and on but that's how i've been trying <laughs> to make certain that i address the issues uh, the many issues that uh, the audience have they may have more and i'd be more than happy to address those too well you know i think um it's easy for for black and brown folks um to look at the current slate of candidates and see that the Democratic Party does not prioritize um, their voice and representation. And I think this is a pretty um, ongoing critique, right? I mean, if you, as you look at millennial uh, black and brown folks, like um, I think like that's, that's been a, that's been a critique for decades and not just of, of young black and brown folks, but of black and brown folks by and large um, with this in mind, why do you believe it's important for this group to vote in 2020 if the alternative is just going to be another person that's going to ultimately ignore them. This is the thing. And this is what I want your audience to recognize. Look at who's the most experienced person in this race and ask yourself, if you're getting ready to go into surgery, do you want an experienced surgeon or do you want a new face? Okay. If you want a new face, to do surgery I, I'm not that new face 
I'm the most experienced doctor to go into that operation with. And so you should want someone that, that does that, that has your back, that has a track record of dealing with issues that you think important. This election, and I kid you not, in terms of my lifetime, your lifetime, is the most important election that we have. Right. We are seeing our fundamental governmental institutions under severe attack. We have a person in office by the name of Donald Trump that has frankly demeaned the office of president. You have a president that's constantly called a liar each and every day. You have a U.S. Senator in the state of Texas and probably many other states that for some reason won't say anything at all. They just cower and allow him to do what he wants to do. I mean, the latest thing about firing the head of the I think it was a national security agency, whichever one it was, because that person briefed Congress concerning Russian interference. He fires him. Hmm. He, he fired a couple of uh, persons that testified during the impeachment because they were subpoenaed to come testify and they, they told the truth. They got fired as a result of it. I've never seen this happen before in my lifetime. I've never seen senators who represent, in this case, some 28 million, 29 million people here in the state of Texas, just cower and say nothing. And so what I say to those persons in the listening audience, if you want to see a monarchy, then don't vote. Because I assure you that if Trump gets four more years, listen to me now, you ain't, you heard what I said, ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more about the DNC and, and your work in, in this particular election for for, uh, for U.S. Senate. So if you were in a private conversation with the National DNC chairman and the DNC Finance Committee, what would you tell them to do more of or do differently to turn Texas blue? Uh, put more investment into the state of Texas. Don't continue to think of Texas as ATM. I mean, this is ground zero for the Congressional Democratic Legislative Caucus. Nancy... The Speaker of the House has basically said this is ground zero uh, for uh, investing in turning some of these congressional seats blue. Nancy Pelosi has done a great job. She has demonstrated steel and wants to make these seats in Texas, congressional seats, turn blue. We, we need nine seats in the U.S. Senate. This is one of them. And I want to make certain that persons that are listening understand that once we win Texas, that's going to be like 38 electoral college votes. And to the extent that we continue to have an electoral college, that's very meaningful, very meaningful. And so that's why people are starting to look at Texas differently, if you will, uh, as it relates to um, winning the state, because it will be just like California in terms of the electoral college votes and it ends up being blue. Uh, just one example, you look at uh, the metropolitan communities. Uh, Republicans have given up on metropolitan communities. You know why? Because we're voting. You look at Dallas County. Dallas County in 2006 went blue. And I provided leadership in getting that done. And now we're dark blue. The surrounding suburban communities are beginning to become blue, bluer. And I would venture to say that this election, you will see Collin County, which in Plano, Frisco, places like that, will also go blue. Look at Harris County. Look at H-Town. Look at Fort Bend County. All those right. counties are going blue. 
And so to the extent that you want to make certain that we change the government, if for some reason you believe that health care is a basic right, you need Democrats as a, as a president. You need Democrats in Congress and, and both branches of Congress, the Senate and also the House. And we'll make it a priority to the extent that you believe that we need to have a public school system in the United States, not one where we have someone who's trying to privatize it, then we need to uh, elect a pro-public school president. That, and that president then turns around, Zach, and appoints a pro-public school secretary of education. <laughs> if you believe that climate change is real, uh, it's February and it's almost 80 degrees where I am. Uh, if you believe that's real, then we've got to make certain that we elect a pro climate change president that will put in place an EPA administrator that is also pro-climate change. So that's how we get things done. That's how we get things done. We've got to make certain that we show up and that we participate. We've got over a trillion dollar deficit now. We have a debt of over 23 trillion dollars. Okay? That debt will be saddled on our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. And so you've got to make certain that you understand and appreciate it. It's not just about a party over here or a party over there. you got to get in, sit down at the table. Otherwise, we're going to end up being on the table as part of the meal. So, you know, it's interesting, both right and left, you talk about being part of the meal and and, and some of the critical issues um, – and you've talked a bit about education and you've talked about, uh, you talked about healthcare as well. Um, talk a little bit more about the economy. Um, so both right and left mainstream punditry is describing our economy as healthy, but the actual facts show that the black community has yet to recover um, from the recession in 2008. And, and overall that black wealth is trending to $0 um, in the next 20 to 30 years. What is the major asset that we have in our, portfolios to um, uh, help us uh, show wealth. Our, our home, you look at home purchasing, uh, it's down in the African-American community. That's yeah. part of our wealth right there. Right. Uh, you look at repossessions, they're still up. Right. Uh, and the ability to be able to get loans, uh, we still have redlining going on. Right. Those things are real. And it, and, and the, thing that, the thing that perturbs me is that we hadn't been able to get anything done yet about it. We hadn't been able to get anything done about it yet. And that's why we've got to make sure we get out and vote. You take like Maxine Waters. Maxine is on it. Yeah. Okay? Yes. And for those of you that don't know who Maxine Waters is, she heads Maxine. up the financial. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She heads up the financial services committee. She's on it. And so those are the types of champions that we need. And I don't want to hear all this stuff that she's old. Right. Oh, no. She's a, she's an expert. Okay. No, no, she knows in this she, area. Yeah. She knows what she's doing. I mean, uh, and so that's why it's important um, that I connect with you, that you look at my record and determine whether or not you want someone that experienced it can go up and help Maxine out to get some things done. Now, and, and let me say this. Yeah. If you ask anyone in the state of Texas who uh, is a champion of uh, minority business and women-owned businesses, my name will be a part of that conversation. Because every year I get state agencies to work with minority business organizations to hold a fair, a purchasing fair. And I think like last year, and I may be wrong on, on this, I think that the purchasing fair, the day of the purchasing fair, uh, 
we probably did about nine million dollars. Wow. And I've been doing that year after year after year. That's Margot Posey here in Dallas. She'll tell you exactly what the Senate has done. And in terms of legislation, I've made certain that we had legislation in Texas to have a minority business enterprise uh, program. We call it hubs, historically underutilized businesses. That's part of things that I've done. And I invite people to the table to make certain they get an opportunity to interact with those procurement officers that are responsible for the purchase. So, you know, the mainstream party is talking about all of these new innovations in our digital economy as if that's the solution. Mm -hmm. But right. how is it a solution to the younger black and brown community who is yet to receive the educational and social capital to access the space, which despite comments from some presidential candidates, there is actually an established interest. So my question is what needs to happen for this next generation to have any reasonable chance of inclusion in this new economy? You've got to take care of getting that education. And this is what I see. I see that African-American and Latinas are more aggressive in terms of getting that education than the males are. Got to make certain that that happens. And if you noticed, uh, the fact if you have a African-American or Latino male that's on their game, they get the opportunity more often than not now. Now, I understand there's, there's still racism. But as an example, I was at a um, luncheon for the Dallas Foundation today. We had one African-American male that's a senior, $1.3 million in scholarship opportunities. So they got to take advantage wow. of that. And I understand that we still have a lot of our kids in single-family households that may very well be in households where um, neither parent or the single parent didn't go to college or, or didn't graduate from high school. And so to that, to the extent that we have those type of situations, we got to have the 100 black men, Omega Sapphire, the fraternities, AKAs, Alphas, all of us pushing those types of programs. And yes, there will be some that we miss, but we got to do our best in order to make certain that we provide an example and also make certain we provide opportunities. It's really helpful. Um, so millennial and generation Z uh, black and brown voters in this cycle and keep being told that we all have to make compromises in order to beat Trump, which often means accepting candidates that have troubling racial records. Should we make that trade off? And if so, why? You know, uh, that's a, that's a heck of a question. Um, <laughs> I would say, I'd frankly say anybody except Trump, you know, yeah. and it kind of depends to me on exactly, you know, how contrite that person is. Okay. Mm. And what they've done, uh, independent of those particular actions, you take like Bloomberg, what has he done? You've got to make up your mind in terms of the types of programs that he is engaged in, even though we had the stop and first program, whether or not those types of programs show in addition to his apology that he's real and won't have to worry about those type of issues again. So you got to kind of look at a person's background. Don't just listen to what they say kind of look at what they've done since being involved in those comments or actions that they're taking. That's really helpful. Um, oftentimes, the quality of education today um, seems to have more to do with the value of your home or where you live than it does your actual work ethic. So my question to you is, what are you going to do um, when asked to confirm the next Secretary of ed Education to ensure that that changes? Uh, first of all, I'm going to look at their background. 
Okay. Uh, and yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, I, I'm from the projects of Dallas, 4968 Hatcher Place, and used to play basketball in a garbage can and was satisfied doing that up against the wall. And so I understand your environment. But one thing that I had, I had work ethic. And, you know, developing that early on it helped me tremendously. I was a paper boy, had 125 papers every day, not knowing that that was developing the work ethic in me. And uh, that helped me along the way. So you've got to develop the work ethic. you got to make certain that you have mentors for a lot of these young men and women to, uh, to make sure they understand that just because we fall down, we get up. And, you know, if we fall down again, we get up again. And we continue to do that. And so we've got to make sure we have a secretary of education that understands that we are, in fact, our brother's keeper and that they're responsible for a generation of generations yet unborn. They may very well, and listen to me on this, Zach, may very well end up colonizing the moon. Okay. And we've got to be, we've got to make sure that our kids are prepared for that. We've got to make certain that those kids in the barrios and uh, the ghettos and in, in, in suburban communities are prepared for that. And we got to make certain that it's inclusive as opposed to exclusive. Senator West, this has been a great interview. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us here. Uh, before we let you go, um, any parting words? You know, again, I, I encourage, first of all, thank you for this program. And I encourage your listening audience to make certain that you get out and vote. You know, the, the reality is, is that our vote is our voice. And I got to get out of here. All right now. Talk to you later. Peace. Take care. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.